0: Hello, this is Melissa Hale Spencer, the editor of the Altamont Enterprise, and we're continuing an annual tradition here. And Marcello Yaya, who is co-publisher and handles many duties, including the technical aspects of these podcasts, says this is one of our most listened to podcasts every year. So we are going to hear from the experts on local news. Noah's weefel Sean Mulcairn. We're going to start with Noah, who of course is the Hilltown reporter. He single-handedly covers the news in four towns, Burn, Knox, Rensselaerville, and Westerlo. And without him, it would be a news desert. Occasionally, another, uh, media organization will dip in, usually on a story Nora, Noah's already done. So Noah, tell us what your thoughts are on 2022.
1: Uh, well, so one of those stories um, that got attention from other uh, organizations as one that started right at the beginning of the year um, and is going to continue into next year, uh, which is the... the um, trial of Andrew Gibson or not the trial, but the lead, the whole legal process, um, surrounding his, um, fatal car accident. He was, uh, drunk driving and crashed into, um, Lisa Sperry, a burn resident, uh, killed her, uh, severely injured two of her sons. Um, and, you know, normally what would be kind of a, uh, standalone, tragedy you know very cut and dry case took a turn uh in february when he was scheduled to be sentenced didn't show up and then was on the lam for six months um and so that uh entails reporting on the um impacts that had on the the family um who uh far as my reporting goes, we're kind of represented by Lisa Sperry's sister, uh, Laura Englestone, um, who was, you know, exceedingly frustrated with everything. Um, the kind of, uh, I guess she would describe as the passivity of the uh, police and the courts and everything regarding this man who uh, killed her sister. Um, and then, uh, I mean, she was... I think what I learned, uh, I was surprised to learn, was um, the way police go after fugitives like this, which um, in this case was more passive than active. And it's possible that there were some more active elements that they just didn't disclose to us, which would be understandable. Um, but in the end, he was caught after committing other crimes um, in another county and just the you know law enforcement networks uh, pinging each other. So um, he's yet to be sentenced. Uh, More recently, he tried to withdraw his earlier guilty plea for the um, for the crash. Uh, uh, You know, no real uh, basis uh, as far as we could tell. So um, sentencing is is likely to be the next big, big thing. But in slightly happier news, um, I've looked into uh, other stuff regarding um, solar development. There's much less specific uh, development going on in the hill towns. We seem to be kind of past the point um, of big contentious planning board uh, processes. Um, And uh, so I've been looking at some bigger picture stuff that has a lot of local implications, uh, most notable of which was the um, uh, continuing development of agrivoltaics, which is the technology of combining uh, solar panels on agricultural land, um, which is, of course, um, a huge commodity in New York State and also the most desirable place for most solar developers to fight their farms. Um, uh, Potentially, sometimes putting those... Um, two things in conflict, but hopefully um, we'll kind of be able to converge in the future, and, and some of these difficult decisions that, that municipalities have to make won't be quite as difficult.
0: One can hope, because solar is so important for our future, and you certainly have um, uncovered ways that it it can work with agriculture, the question is, and I guess you'll be answering this in the year ahead, is, are there farmers that are going to combine the two that are going to take up that challenge?
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I did speak with one farmer who, who um, didn't have the combined use, but at least was very positive about his experience hosting a solar farm because um, just, you know, beyond the environmental benefits and stuff, it is a a direct economic benefit to uh, the landowners um, who are, you know, obviously paid uh, rental fees basically.
0: Right. And that was Mr. Whipple, right? Who said his farmland wasn't rich to begin (laughs) with, you know, that it was um, karst topography and rocky soil. So it at least keeps the open space Um, as it was, uh, even if it isn't used for agriculture. Because, of course, the pressure, and this is a perfect segue to Sean, um, the pressure is towards development. Um, So I'm now going to introduce Sean Mulcairn, who probably needs no introduction. He is a wonder kind. (laughs) He covers... Both the villages of Altamont and Voorheesville and the town of New Scotland, which he's done for several years, but he's added in the last two years uh, a really important beat in the town of Gilderland, zoning and planning. Um, So, Sean, let's hear from you.
2: Yeah, great. So, Gilderland, you know, this year, it's really... We've starting to see we've really start started to see some large large developments actually I don't know get their feet wet's kind of a stupid way to put it but you know they're really starting to take hold like I think obviously the pandemic everyone kind of just sat on their hands for a while but now the developers are really starting to come back out and they're they're starting to they're starting to um, get their plans Their plans ready and they're starting to put their proposals together and they're coming to the town. Um, we're kind of on the tail end of all of the past few years of Crossgates drama. At the beginning of the year, they were kind of winding up a few different... Um, they were wrapping up a few different Crossgates um, lawsuits There was one where the the Save the Pine Bush had brought um, one to try and stop the three parcel projects, which will be um, eventually a Costco, um, a what you call it, a apartment project, and another mixed use project, which they say it won't. However, I... Was poking around and I found construction plans. Um, so that project is kind of in motion now, but all these imaginations are coming through. So as the year went on, all of these different projects. There was a forty-six unit development near forty-six unit development near Gilderland Center proposed. Um, Black Creek. I'm trying to remember what it's called. Black black, black, black. Um, you got it right here. I click run, um, 46, yeah, 46 unit development right near the high school. Um, right in the midst of this is where actually Guildland decided that it was going to dive into its comprehensive plan too. So it's actually starting to take a look at that as well. And it's, starting to discuss what it wants the future of development to look like too so it's only you know begun that process in earnest it's only had one real discussion so far and that was only a very high level discussion in terms of what a comprehensive plan kind of committee is you know what vaguely what it does and more of a kind of agenda setting thing so it's only in its infancy. So that's kind of still to be determined, but as that's bumping along, there are still a whole bunch of stuff. The, as I mentioned earlier, there's that 222 unit, um, apartment project that was once pyramids, the owner of cross gates, um, Proposal. However, they've been in bad financial straits, I think, lately because they've been selling off assets all around the mall. They sold off that land. They sold off land. That was the um, the hotel across the street. uh, Another parcel right there. Uh, Coming back up Western Avenue, there is another um, very early proposal for a 66 unit um housing development on an old pig farm as well and then more recently off of gun club road there was another one right outside the village where there are big concerns over water um so there's a lot kind of going on in town there's res- there are uh, residents are rightfully raising concerns over Is there enough water? Is there enough sewer? Um, Right now, the town says there is. Most, the last one I mentioned right next to Altamont, they're getting their sewer from there. So a lot of this development's happening right in the middle of the comprehensive plan. So that kind of remains to be seen going forward. Um, Rolling right into Altamont. Altamont was a little quiet this year. Right at the beginning of the year, there was a bit of a dust up when mayor Kerry Deneen wanted to abolish the zoning board and combine it with the planning board. She very rightly had the point because the zoning board rarely, if ever met. So basically those people were getting a whole bunch of training to do nothing. Um, she caught some flack because she was getting, she didn't reappoint Maurice McCormick earlier who kind of was someone who kind of stood up to her. Uh, He didn't see it with her eye to eye. He was a former zoning board chair. Um, He came out during the meeting and said, this is a bad idea. Uh, Not very many people came out. A few people said it wasn't a good idea. Dean Whalen, who was a former village trustee himself said it wasn't a good idea. There was kind of a brouhaha in that there was some, issues over what exactly the board makeup was going to be, whether it was going to be five or seven, the number of alternates. She hadn't actually been clear about that. They kind of ironed it all out. And long story short, the board is barely, that board is barely met either. Um, Altamont also kind of rolling in Divorceville, rolling in Divorceville, um, had issues with um, trains as well. Um, CSX bought a new England rail company for $600 million this year. And why it was so impactful here was because they are going to run a two mile train through the village of Alton and the village of Voorheesville, why it's more of an issue in Voorheesville. It's because it cuts right through the village and it shuts down the village for quite a long time. I wrote a story because I just happened to get caught at uh, one of the crossings for 18 to 20 minutes. Um, That seems like it could become more of the norm Um, for the village, specifically the village of Voyageville. It could be, they really took it up early because they had issues with their quiet zone, which they've been trying to get done for 10 years. A quiet zone is um, a four quadrant gate system that can be used to stop traffic. So trains don't have to blow their horns. Um, And They've been trying to get that done for 10 years. There are issues with funding and they're kind of getting it ironed out. They think they might get it ironed out soon. It might actually be ironed out now as we speak. Um, The good thing for the village is it looks like CSX and Norfolk Southern, who is going to be running the train over the tracks is going to foot much of the, most of the bill. So that's gonna be ironed out. The other big thing in the village of Voorsville this year is restaurants, restaurants, restaurants. Um a new one, Northern Barrel, opened. Ed mitson who was a very successful village resident, uh, moved up to Saratoga, started a healthcare marketing firm. He came back, uh, opened up a um couple of restaurants where he is all the proceeds will be going to charity and I think I've gone way over my time.
0: I <laughs> but just, you've got so much news, and Smitty's uh, is going to be reborn as Roma's yes. Pizza, so yeah. yeah. Yes. And I worry about the trains through Altamont, because unlike Voorheesville, where yes, you can wait for a long time, but you can always turn around and go under yep. the railroad overpass, but there is no overpass in Altamont. Wow, what a lot of news you have, uh, you have <laughs> condensed into 10 minutes, Sean. Um, you just mentioned the Crossgates drama being at the end. But if you could kind of summarize that for me because you broke stories on that and led all the way. and it's such a fascinating arc, uh, news arc, um, you know, pyramid dominating with so many projects. And now, just could you kind of summarize what happened there?
2: Um, so, Pyramid initially, they were going to, they had a plan for three parcels um, to redevelop uh, the corridor. Uh, I think you, is it, what is the road there? Is it Rap Road? Rap road, Rap, yep. Rap road in Western Ave. There's gonna be a Costco on the corner of Rap Road Western Ave. Uh, a little farther over it was going to be um 222 units of uh, apartment housing a third one was going to be vacant um like i said i was poking around i found I mean, there were just construction plans that were going out to bid um so there's stuff that they probably wouldn't eventually go there um it was pyramids plan to build it all however during the pandemic, they took a massive hit. And I mean, the Wall Street Journal and Bloomberg reported quite a bit on them really taking hit because what's unique with Pyramid is they're owned. They're a family owned company, so they have to pay their bills and they're really taking it on the tune up in Syracuse. Because they bet big on a massive project, I'm talking six, seven hundred million dollars that flopped, and even here locally, uh, I just actually did the math recently. Uh, um, they had about a four hundred million dollars cumulatively in mortgage on Cross Gates that they have paid out or they've taken out on Cross Gates. Um, that they have to pay back so they're just in a hole and it's they have to once they've got headwinds of people no longer like to shop in person combined with the pandemic really really put them in a bad bind so they just they just I think they they my my reading of it from what, you know, thanks to the Wall Street Journal and Bloomberg was they needed money fast. So they started selling up land. They started selling up a whole bunch of land. Um, they got quite a bit of money for um, the hotel. I can't remember, it might've been somewhere between 20 and 30 million. The land over uh, for the apartments, quite a bit of money. There's self-storage going a little farther down towards Albany, they own that land. They're going to be selling that off, um, so they're just selling land left and right. And it has- not They're also still in the process of suing the town to get their tax bill lowered. And I was just gonna bring that up because it has a huge
0: influence, not just in Gilderland, but it is the single biggest tax driver for the whole county with its sales tax. So. Um, as goes (laughs) Crossgates, so goes Albany County. Well, thank you, Sean. I know your knowledge is just so deep and broad. I wish we had a little more time, but I'm gonna close us out, and I, I picked just three threads of the coverage I've done this year. The first is COVID, and I sometimes worry people are tired of reading about it. I've been writing about this since the very first two cases in March 2020. Um, One of those cases was in Gilderland at Farnsworth Middle School, and... um, we are now, I'm at up to week 146. I do a roundup every week, not just with the numbers because people, two people, it was reported from the governor's office in Albany County, two Albany County residents died. Uh, it was reported yesterday from COVID. It's still here. But um, we've entered an era when it's widely perceived as being endemic. That means that rather than the virus disappearing, it's hoped enough people will become immune from vaccination or infection, that it will continue to circulate the way we are now having this, what they call, tridemic, because we have the flu, which is much earlier and more prevalent than earlier years, perhaps because people were so guarded and staying home for the last two years. And then we have RSV, which in the same way, especially for young kids that were kept home um, and away from exposure that they may normally have gotten. But at the same time, it's just a different mindset. There was this idea back when, uh, Andrew Cuomo was governor, (laughs) we had beat COVID, he said, and there were fireworks and the buildings were lit. But when, uh, we got a new governor and a new health commissioner, Mary Bassett, who's now leaving, she said this idea of reaching herd immunity is no longer valid because, uh, the um, virus itself changes so rapidly, and we've seen that with Omicron, which of course this year started out with just a huge number of uh, cases, and um, Omicron now has many, many sublineages lineages uh, that are continuing to proliferate. But the coverage that I've been doing isn't just about that, but about all the many effects, side effects, or uh, central effects um, that have to do with the effect on the economy, the effect on education, uh, both nationally and statewide standardized tests recently, showed how uh, it had really set back education, although (laughs) Noah's Weafle will have a story in next week's paper how Bern Knox Westerlo is bucking that trend with equal or better scores than during the pandemic. But in general, it had a profound uh, negative effect on education. Um, There's also... The effect it had on opioid use and death, which have skyrocketed, uh, on um, New York State being behind the rest of the nation in its uh, workforce recovery, and on mental health with more... uh, mental health problems and isolation. And one of the podcasts I did related to that was with a man I really admire, Stephen Giordano. He is the mental health commissioner for Albany County. And he said, as violent crimes are increasing, not just in Albany County, but across the nation, the solution is not just going to be a mental health solution if we're alienating and isolating and stigmatizing and discriminating against portions of our community, that's going to come with a cost. And he had, I think, really important advice of um, stopping the stigma against mental illness by realizing we all have mental health challenges. But this idea of the violence coming from other deeper problems is a perfect segue into the second thread I was going to discuss in my coverage this year, which is I cover the Gilderland schools, and typical of schools across the nation, um, school board elections this year were politicized. The enterprise has always done in-depth research-based, issues-based research based issues based uh, interviews with school board candidates because we think they're so important. They control huge budgets, and in my mind, even more importantly, our future <laughs> through how our children are educated. But this year, there were uh, 10 candidates in the Gilderland. Uh, election uh, two slates of four and two independent candidates we did a forum we had all kinds of community reaction on our letters pages and ultimately the union backed uh, the teachers union backed candidates that slate won um, but that oh, that uh knot of issues was spawned by the anti-mask movement in Gilderland and elsewhere, the candidates um, that uh, were hatched um, largely through a Facebook page from um, Jeff Thomas, who had launched a suit um, to try to stop the required mask wearing. And it is playing out still in schools across the nation with um, levels of unrest. And some of it, and I'd like to make a really, really clear distinction here, some of that unrest is a good thing, in my opinion. Um, In Gilderland, for instance, there have this year been two walkouts um, from class, one because of racism and the other because of sexism. And Gilderland, to my mind, did the right thing um, in the racial reckoning that our nation went through after the murder of George Floyd. Um, the school board created a new post for a diversity, equity, and inclusion administrator and set up um, a DEI committee, um, which has some very thoughtful members that have important discussions. <laughs> and. Um, their, their work has continued this uh, school year, and um, I really feel Congressman, the late Congressman John Lewis's quote is very appropriate here. Speak up, speak out, get in the way, get in good trouble, necessary trouble, and help redeem the soul of America. And certainly, um, I agree that kids should be in class, uh, and I admire the high school principal for now having focus groups to discuss some of the issues people are concerned about. But I admire those students for speaking out about racism and sexism, and they have... um, some of them have formed an annual rally, an anti-hate rally, where they try to inform the whole school community and move forward in that way, which, which I heartily uh, applaud. Um, also, sort of related to that, um, the school board recently agreed to a pilot pro- program for a second um, school resource officer. That will be funded by the town through the police department initiative of the police chief, Daniel McNally, and I don't expect it to solve <laughs> these deep societal problems that Gilderland, of course, has like every place else, but uh, it can be another useful pair of hands uh, to have on, on the scene. Then the third uh, thread, and the common thing here is citizen involvement. I was just so pleased we had so many people um, listening to our forum with the candidates writing in. And similarly with this, um, it has to do with a forestry law in Gilderland uh, that just got passed this month. We had a picture of a beautiful ancient oak tree on uh, Half Moon Drive on our front page uh, to illustrate the story of the forestry law passing. but. Um, Throughout the year, we've been writing about, really, citizen initiatives. Sean wrote about a man in New Scotland um, who just thought it was important to have a bicycle lane marked on Picard Road. Um, I did a podcast with a woman, um, No Mow May, Ellen Howey, who did not mow her lawn. And, um, you know, could see the importance of of this movement of... um, Protecting our environment on a yard by yard by yard basis. Um, I did a podcast with Neil Gifford, who um, is in charge of conservation at the Albany Pine Bush Preserve. And when this law was had a hearing in Gilderland. There was just a lot of misunderstanding that is so important um, to educate people. Um, a developer saying, you know, it's not fair, because they they can cut down trees and burn down trees in the pine bush, and I can't do that. But it's part of a globally rare ecosystem <laughs> that's important to protect, and they're doing what needs to be done to preserve that. Um, so the point of this new law and the guiding light, in my mind, uh, was Laura Barry. I also did a podcast with her. Um, she is a retired teacher who's just devoted herself to understanding. She started out, she lives in McCownville, and other neighbors there surveyed their neighborhood, which has these beautiful tree-lined streets, but the trees are aging out, and um, this new law is a chance for on public land like um, on along the streets right of way or in parks to plant trees that are indigenous, trees that are native, trees that will help our ecosystem, and at the same time to educate and encourage um, those people who want to um, have their yards also part of the solution to a global problem. And really, that's that's my hope for the new year, that um, our readers, citizens in each of our towns will become involved, not just in ecological issues, but planning issues, um, issues to do with education, issues to do with our everyday life, and um, you can do it through the pages of our newspaper or online, because really, some of the pieces that people have written in, we recently had a piece on forestry that was submitted, and we had a um, wonderful, series going by Bruce Deerstein, who lives in Gilderland. He's an historian looking uh, with an historical perspective at planning issues, um, this idea that growth is not necessarily inevitable. <laughs> it's how, how you plan your future. So I'm signing off with that hope for the new the year, that um, we will have an active citizenry who will participate in... Um, improving our lives and our community.